All right, I'm back. Rumble in the jungle. Biggest thing since Ali. Today's episode of the Live, Cure, Die podcast brought to you by Tactical Distributors. Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off all this great stuff. A reversible coat, sweet ass t-shirt, and they just sent me these summer shorts. Oh my God. Can we get this out of here? We can. So these shorts, they're breathable. The boys, they're cool as hell. They're short. They're not too short. They're not too long. They're not Daisy Dukes. They're not Dirty Dukes. They're just right. So, Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off. Flip-flops, bags, shirts, pants, everything you need. They got those panties. What are those? Uh, the, the, the tactical brief things? They're so comfortable, and your junk comes right out when you need to take a pee. Holla. Remember that time that drone went like, ooh, boom. <laughs> no, it was hard to see on the screen. I couldn't tell what it was doing. Jay wasn't learning. He just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to pay attention. It sends blood. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I'm starting to not believe that myself. So, how are you guys doing? Great. Good. How about you? Good. Yeah. One of the greatest trips of my life. You blessed the rains down there? <sighs> so many rains were blessed. It actually rained like three days. Hmm. So we got like a year and a half of rainfall in the time I was there, and I think it was a, because of a proper blessing. Uh, I also, several things. So what's the saying about when the cat's away, the mice will play sort of thing? So I find out several things happened. We're blessed while I was gone. Yeah. The fuck happened to our IG, man? Kaboom. They blessed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It no warning. Just I went to refresh it one day, and... It said the account was disabled, so I told Adam. I think he thought I was lying. I was like, no way. Let me check mine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And no answer. I've appealed through Instagram. I've appealed through the forms on Facebook. Like We've had people reach out and try to help us, but they basically have just sent those forms to fill out and not a thing. So starting from square one for a third time. Adam, you're a smart fellow. What do you think? Well, I have my theories. <laughs> I think that's what nice. I said, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Slow start today. Um, well, I mean, we're obviously a gun company, and we post pictures of guns, and we link to a website that sells guns, so there's probably some violation of their user policy. Uh, I'm not going to play the, the innocent victim all the way. I think that... Is this a policy like the ATF's arm brace policy, or these policies that are clear that we're violating? Well, these Instagrams are written down. I don't know or if it comp- was like yeah. vague community guideline. No, it's no, you can't all. sell knives or weapons or guns or drugs or things like that. And, you know, we're not saying buy this now, but we're linking to a website where you can buy it. We're clearly advertising. Jay, you selling know. weed through the DMs. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, the mystery shirt was a huge success, but it was also a lottery. Can't do lotteries on Instagram. Huh. So we need to. Well, how do we do the mystery shirt in the future then? Well, we need to not do it on Instagram or have a way where people can participate without having a purchase. God. That way it's a giveaway. Kind of like what Adam Crow was saying with theirs when he was here. Live free or die. I want a New Hampshire Instagram. Hell yeah. Jay, get on that. Stuff. All right, working on it. And then my third theory is our company's called Q. QAnon, QAnon is pretty big right now. 
the algorithm might not be smart enough to differentiate us from them. I don't think it's a person scrolling through and be like, oh, I don't like that. Really? I think it's, no. I think it's you think this is a, a robot algorithm yeah. situation? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I think it's probably an intersection of factors, too. And I'm sure there are people out there, as dumb as it sounds, that are every day just reporting our account. As they're Come on, there aren't Pacos. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was that plus the things that Adam mentioned. Um, yeah, there's no shortage of haters. Well, you know what I say? Fuck it. We got I say to that keep, too. Keep on rolling. Yeah, rolling. no big deal. So a new Instagram yep. is unpossible underscore by by underscore Q. Yep. All right. Tell your friends. Fair enough. Okay. So mystery shirt, huh? Which was my second thing. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's done. Yep. Yeah. By we the time well. this comes out, the winner should be announced. The prize should be announced. Yeah. Um, or we, we, have we announced? As of right now, we don't know who it is or what it is. Have we announced? We haven't announced what we're giving no. away. Nope. Monday. It's a lot of stuff I hear. Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, probably a couple guns, a couple silencers, a bunch of accessories, some swag from us and the uh, company that partnered with us, Bergara. Bergara. Oh, Still Bergara. I'm not sure yet. Oh, this can become a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe some ammo. So I'm still driving the Suburban is what I'm hearing. Yeah. All right. So nobody this gets time. the Suburban this <laughs> yeah. time. <laughs> this time. Um, Unless you want to throw it in. I don't care. I'm moving to Africa. Fuck you guys. <laughs> so um, It's cheap there. <laughs> I would be so rich there. Oh, my God. It's amazingly cheap and incredible. Yeah. The government, though, is uh, run by the same people that run Instagram here in America, I hear. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little, a little concerned about purchasing property and whatnot there. But I like to visit. You know, condo at the beach. Don't want to live there. Yeah. I like to visit. Mm-hmm. Well, even at that price, it's worth the risk. Maybe you have to leave, but it's cheap. Yeah. For like. 70 grand for an awesome house and yeah. like 1500 acres in the mountains and free range kudu that you can kill and eat. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah, that's worth it for like two years. Seems okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. see these new glasses we got? You're still yeah. using some lame coffee. Oh, yeah, you can't no. put hot stuff in these. Huh? You drink coffee. I mean, I'm sure you could. No, I think it says do not put hot <laughs> shit in these. No. Oh. But uh, how do you say that? Uh, is it soldado? Sal- is it salado? Soldado, salad O, yeah. <laughs> Glassworks or something somewhere in Texas. Those guys hook us up. These things are wonderful. Mm. I like it. You know, and this Beyonce little swirly sort of yep. '90s uh, urban like fancy grip here. So normally is that I would. What that is called? Yeah, n- I, I have no idea. But normally I, I do not like this sort of design on the outside. The glass I like very much, but I do like this for the grip. Yeah, it's a smart move. It looks like an elongated sperm. Yeah, okay, you and my 17-year-old said the same shit. That's well, great. He's yeah, not but, wrong. No, he's not. Um, but thank you, guys. These are nice. I love them. Yeah, Talon liked them, too. When we when you posted them, Talon's I responded and said, more fancy cups. He yeah. drank out of one, so I think he's a fan as well. Yeah, they're nice. And I don't know. They, they blow these things. So they they've invited us a couple times to blow things down there. I haven't gone yet, but... So I don't know if you, if you're in that part Jay, of Texas. Are you up for traveling? Uh, <laughs> I suppose I'll I'll take one for the team. I mean, <laughs> I mean his knees are as rough as a goat's <laughs> knees, so he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you can visit there and like learn to blow your own glass and make your own cups or glass or that's cool pipes for smoking things. <laughs> I, whatever, Jay. So you went out there, blessed the rains. It rained a little bit, and then what happened? Oh, it did. Did you shoot anything? I shot so many other things. Um, well, first of all, Field Ethos put this this together. So um, 
shout out to them, Jason Vincent, who did it. He picked the group. And, and, you know, I've been on a lot of hunts, and I've been over there before, and hunts everywhere. Crusader Safaris is who we went with. It is the best experience I've ever had. Nothing even compares. Um, and they didn't give me shit. Like, it's not some paid, like, promotion of theirs where they said, hey, mention us, we'll give you a cootie. Like, nothing. Um, several things that were different about it that I loved. It's uh, family land. Um from like the Eastern Cape East up to Kruger, the family has like five different parcels of land that they own and lease. And the main part that they live on that we hunted, I think is about 450,000 acres and another part. So we hunted in different areas and one was in the mountains and it was very thick brush and shit. And that was different kind of hunting. That was about 150,000 acres, but their family, um, you know, a couple hundred years ago settled this part where, um, they're located and they had millions of acres. And so now it's been divided up among generations. And uh, Andrew Pringle, um, who lives on this part and his dad and his brother also live on a connecting part and his cousin's own next door and all this. But it's about 450,000 acres and it's free range. And it's amazing because you go to South Africa, a lot of things have happened the last 30 years or so. Like a lot of it is high fence for several reasons. you know, in that part of South Africa, you don't get, obviously, all the African game. So some places high fence so they could put all the game from Africa in there so you can go over in one shot, you know, kill everything you would want and if you only have a week to do it. But a lot of times they high fence stuff to keep poachers out now because, you know, way back in the day, poachers used to get shot in Africa. And after apartheid, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but this is all free range. So animals, you know, there's no guarantees of anything. And... Um, it's just a different style of hunting and it's more difficult, but it was more fun and it felt more like hunting. But I tell you the group, um, crusader safaris, they were just awesome, man. It was like after one day, it's like hanging out with a family that you liked or your buddies. Um, there wasn't high pressure, you know, and it could be a combination of things. You know, Africa has been shut down for over a year. So we were their second hunt in like 15 months. And there was a couple of Swedish guys that were there before us. But um, Jason at Field Ethos, he arranged all this. He met these guys, kind of hit it off with them. And his, his first time there, too. So it was six of us. Um, Mike Murphy, shout out to him from Griffin & Howe, which used to be owned by Abercrombie & Fitch. It's like over 100-year-old kind of safari rifle, custom rifle company. And they were in New York. They used to be like in Manhattan above Abercrombie & Fitch when Abercrombie & Fitch was an outfitter. I think this is sort of the story. Hopefully we'll have him on for a podcast. He's he's a cool guy. Former Marine, then went to work. Griffin Howe does their long-range instruction stuff there and a lot of uh, instruction for, like, you know, shooting for rich guys that are going to – they buy a Griffin and Howe rifle for whatever those things cost, and they want to learn to shoot and do all that before they go over to Africa or wherever they're going to hunt. That's kind of like what we wanted to do with the fix early on. You know, buy a fix, come out, build it, and go out with uh, the guys that used to work here, learn how to shoot it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a great idea. So that's what Mike does. He's fucking awesome. We had a great time. He educated me on Griffin and how. I didn't know very little about him and what they do. And um, he was just a great hunting partner and a great guy to hang with for a couple weeks. But um, they used to be above, like in Manhattan, above Abercrombie and Fitch. So you'd go in there, you'd go upstairs, you know, you're going to Africa, you're some rich guy, you buy your rifle. You buy your ammo, your optic, get it set up. You go downstairs in Abercrombie and Fitch, and you get all your gear, your boots, like your your clothes, all the stuff. 
And the idea was you were, they were a real outfitter. you you walk out the front door of there and you have everything you need to get on the plane to go to Africa to hunt. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so over time, of course I had to move out of New York and as ridiculous as it is, they're in New Jersey now, but they've got, sorry, they've got, I think, uh, over, they have a thousand or 1500 meter range. They've got all kinds of stuff at their place. So I'm going to go down there, um, with Ivana and do some shooting in the next month or so with Mike and and get her spun up before we uh before we go on a, a hunt where she can shoot far um and it's not going to hurt me either uh but them two of our customers uh, danny and ray i won't say their last names in case they don't want me to i don't know but uh they came up 2017 they built two fixes they went with us two of the nicest freaking guys they were so fun and then it was me and Jason from Field Ethos and Field Ethos. Uh, Gabe, shout out to him. He's their uh, media guy. He did all the photos and the videos. And we had a drone. Didn't even get crashed one single freaking time. I need lessons. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually in his blood. Yeah, um, probably. So he did, he did a great thing. Um, but we stayed at, a, at two or three camps while we were there. Um, you know, another thing when you go to South Africa, things if you're interested in going, like know why you want to go. And talk to people that have been. And I, a lot of places that I go, because 95% of the hunting in South Africa is by Americans. And I think probably 75% of that are like very rich white guys over 60. And probably half of those, they take their wives. And so a lot of the places you go, it's like a five-star resort you stay at. So you're paying for a lot of shit that I don't need. And even, you know, I take Ivana. She doesn't care about a lot of the stuff. Like I want it to be like clean and nice enough for me to ignore Mm. like I don't need a bunch of marble floors and you know like just all this ridiculous crap like I want good food you know I don't need like a you know a $200 meal every time I eat Um, you know I want there to be some beer and some bourbon and I I want the guides to be cool because you know when I go which is kind of a little different I think because I've been a lot I know well I never know exactly what I'm going to shoot but I know I'm open to it but a lot of the places where it's kind of high end, there's a lot of pressure to make you shoot things and shoot things that are expensive. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate salespeople. I don't like it at all. I want my pH to be so pH in Africa is professional hunter. So that would be like your guide. Um, and I don't want them to pressure me with anything. I want to go and have a good time. Like I want to have a good time more than I want to shoot the biggest animal or anything. Like I want that experience. That might not be true for everyone. But I think overall, for guys like me that want to go with your buddies and have a good time and not be pressured and have, you know, like our PHs and the owner, Andrew, I would hang out with them all the time. They are so cool, laid back. If there's anything probably bad about Andrew is for his business, he's not a sales guy. He wants everyone to feel welcome and have a good time, and he does not pressure anyone to shoot anything that's expensive. Um, You know, I think it's smart business because it's like there's a lot of – outfitters out there in Africa in the last year you know a lot of them have gone out of business but because Crusader it's like family-owned land you know and they do sheep and cattle on part of it so the hunting isn't something that's absolutely necessary for them so I think for them and it's free range so they're not buying animals and putting them in an enclosure even if it's like thousands of acres and doing that kind of stuff and they actually do have one area that I think was like 20,000 acres to where if you wanted to hunt some stuff that's non-native to their area that they have Mm -hmm. but that's just like a sidebar to what they do um you know for me like i didn't i didn't care about that um 
And how big was the property again total? Well, total property that we hunted they owned was six hundred thousand acres, and that was and and that was actually divided into two. The mountain property was uh, one hundred and fifty, and the property that they live on is four fifty. Wow, so, I mean, you think about it from like his house uh, where he lived on the property, and like the barn and the skinning room and the cooler and everything, uh, compared to where we stay was a twenty-five minute ride going fifty miles an hour. That's crazy. And it's on the same piece of property. Mm. Um, Do you think that, like you just said, that the them not pushing or forcing guys to uh, shoot the biggest thing, most expensive thing, do you think that encourages people to shoot more? Um, it's probably a personality thing. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. You know, for me, I can say for my personality, which I'm probably generally the exception to some of this personality stuff, um, I probably shot more because there was no pressure and they wanted to make sure we had a good time. But also because it's free range, Crusader Safaris is far less expensive than some of the high-end stuff. And the accommodations were great. The food was great. Like the chef they have there, you know, is a native from there and he went to culinary school. But, you know, it wasn't a bunch of imported fancy stuff. Like they weren't serving us lobster. Like we ate what we killed. Right. And um, so that makes it affordable for him. And I think there's just a lot of things that make it an experience to where you don't have to be a 65-year-old retired guy that was an executive and you got millions of dollars to go over there and have a good time. Like, you don't have to spend 50 grand to have a good time. Like, I probably spent a fair amount of money, but I shot 21 animals. Um, but it's still far less expensive than any trip I've had there. Yeah, and that is by far the most number of animals I've ever shot, and is ten times the best time I've ever had. Um, and part of that was the guys that went. Like we just had a really great group. You know, I was the oldest guy, which is so weird for me now, but I love that. Like everybody wanted to have a good time, and there was just lots of great stories. You know, like several of the guys had never been to Africa, probably just me and Jason. And um, you know, like Danny that went with us that has one of our fixed, he took his fixed rifle that he built in 2017. My, my man can shoot too, let me just say. Um, and he also, his his father died unexpectedly a, a few years ago of a heart attack, pretty young age. And because um, Danny, I think, is about 30 or early 30s. And his father was a hunter and, you know, was into fishing and stuff, just an outdoorsman, and got Danny into it at a young age. And uh, his dream, his father's dream, was to go to Africa and shoot a kudu. And so he has his father's hunting rifle, which was a, a pre-64 Winchester 270. And he shot a kudu with it at like 450 yards with that thing. You know, it was, it was cool because his PH2 is a pretty young guy, lost his father unexpectedly a few years ago. So it was like a really cool interview that hopefully Field Ethos will, will publish. But, you know, it's like super emotional, him telling the story of his dad getting him into hunting because his rifle dies unexpectedly. And, you know, like he had a dream to shoot like seven things with this gun. He had shot like three or four by the time he died. But the kudu in Africa was like the grand finale of his plan. And so Danny got to do that. So that was super cool. Yeah, that that's is cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And because um, they were filming out there, right, for a documentary or something. Yeah. So so Field Ethos was filming for several things out yeah. there. And we got a lot of great footage. Um, you know, and then we just had a great time. I mean, I tell you, our pH was great. And, you know, like one time I showed you guys the video, but I won't show the video just in case it bothered him. But he, uh, you know, sometimes you're hunting all day because we get up at, you know, daylight. We'd get out there and we sometimes would come in for lunch if we were close enough. 
sometimes we wouldn't, we wouldn't come back till after dark. So the pH one day has, uh, you know, gets the, the bubble guts, mm-hmm. has to go uh, take a poop after we shoot something, gets out there, and uh, we send the drone up. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> and remarkably enough, he takes his pants off to poo, which is okay. And we got great footage of him throwing rocks at the drone. <laughs> and his pants, like, 10 feet away from him for some reason. Just in case. Just in case. Um, yeah, we just had the greatest time. Uh, like, our videographer, the, the African guy that was our videographer, um, guy, he was in the Rhodesian Army back when, you know, all the terrorist shit was going on, and, you know, when it became Zimbabwe. And... Uh, just had all kinds of interesting experiences and was super into history and educated us a lot on it. Um, just an interesting guy to spend a couple weeks with, you know, and he spent his life well in, in the, the police and military. So he's 61. So this is what around 1980 or so when Rhodesia became Zimbabwe, I imagine about that time period. And since then he's been a professional hunter. And just the stories with animals and growing up there and, you, you know, just just a remarkable experience that we all had. Um, and I learned lots of stuff, as always. And I think about the guns, too, and educated everyone else because half the guys that went on the trip didn't have the fix and they hunted with traditional guns. And one thing, I fall in love with this gun every time I go and use it. And had I not had the fix with a 16-inch barrel... Like I shot several animals that no one else got to shoot because I had it loaded in my lap in the Land Cruiser when we're driving around to get somewhere and you turn a corner and there's something. Mm. Um, For instance, you know, if you go over there specifically to shoot a jackal, you know, which is like similar to our coyote, but it's difficult hunting. And generally you have to do it at night with calls and lights and all that and shoot them, I think. It's not easy. I've seen probably two jackals ever in Africa during the day, and I shot one of them. I guess three because we saw two this trip. But um, I shot one in less than one second from the time we saw it because I had it the the fix in my lap. It wasn't this gun. It was the 308 with the one to eight Swarovski. I had the dot on. I had a round in the chamber. The stock folded in my lap, and we turn a corner, and it's going across the road, stops to look at us, and I pull the rifle up deploy the stock lean out the window and shoot at 100 meters with the dot and so now i've got a jackal it's, it's kind of a prize trophy especially during the day like if you go there to hunt one it's going to take you several days probably um and i was able to do that um and that happened a few times with things um you know and some people don't like that kind of hunting and that's okay like you don't ever have to shoot from a truck there but something like that i shoot from the truck all day long and you know, everybody else, they have their traditional hunting rifles, their Winchester with a 24-inch barrel and their their fixed stock and they're, you know, in a rack in the truck and you just can't deploy the gun and shoot it. Yeah. Um, you know, this gun was just so practical. Like, you know, carrying it, I got to carry it like an AR. I didn't have to carry like a traditional hunting style with it over my shoulder where you have to get the gun. You know, I was able to pull the gun up and shoot it quickly. Um, so. Did you take it with the Lancer mag or... No, I didn't use the Lancer mags. So I took this gun, um, which is in 6.5 right now, and Leopold sent me this uh, 3.6 to 18 Mark V, and I had the little offset red dot, which I could have shot stuff with. And I said I was going to. I totally lied. When we got there, I didn't take the time to get a real good zero with it, and I just never did. Um, 
So basically, if I thought I was going to shoot over 300 meters, I took this rifle and um, I had both of them with me in the truck all the time. And if it was inside 300 or it was a really big animal, I generally used the 308. So in this, I um, had the extended bolt handle, which I like actually, um, and using it now, I used uh, Hornady 143 ELDXs in this. They perform very well, even out of the 16-inch barrel. And I think my farthest shot, though, with this was I did not, I did not get the record this time. <laughs> Next time. Well, my man Mike, who does longer, he had a 300 win mag with a 24-inch barrel, I think. And That'll do it. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he spends a lot of time at the range. I did not. You know, another lesson I learned, like I only spent a, a day or so like shooting to prepare for this one. It was a mistake. I should have really committed. I mean, we had things come up and I just procrastinated. I should have spent a week or two really shooting a lot. And I didn't. And, and it cost me. I wasn't able to shoot as far. I wasn't as comfortable and I didn't. Um, but Mike shot a zebra at 750 meters or something. It's a pretty great shot. Now I was up. We were up on top of the mountain, and we saw them coming along and stopped the truck, and we watched them shoot, and watched them shoot the zebra, and the zebra ran out of their sight. But we watched it die. Oh yeah. And we were able to radio them and, and let them know that it Welcome like in. yeah went tits up. Um, so anyway, I, I like the this Mark V better than I thought I would. Yeah. It's great. It's compact. It's lightweight. Ton of magnification. I did use full magnification on it several times. I'm not even sure if I shot at 18 power, but I shot from 12 to 15 power several times. Um, so it was good. But I think if I had one gun in Africa, I don't know that I would want, depending on the hunting I'm going to do, because I shot some stuff. I shot one animal probably 15 meters, and, and I would have wanted like 3.6. You might as well be looking through a, a, a freaking, I don't know, like uh, you know a, a telescope at the fucking moon or something. <laughs> uh, like I never would have found it. Now, I mm -hmm. guess that's why I should have had the red dot. But right. Um, so with some of the hunting there, I like a, a one to eight, one to six. And I was able to shoot with the eight power, um, you know, over 300 meters with it. So, uh, I, I take a couple rifles and I, and for me, it's the right, it's the right thing to do. Um, the short barrel is really handy with a lot of the hunting there. And when you say short, you mean to 16 inch, 16 inch. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause you know, that's not traditional hunting no, links by no means. Yeah. And so you uh, took a couple rifles, but no silencers. No, I generally do. Yeah, but um, that sounds terrible. Yeah, but you know our ATF council now said that we've got to go through the export mm -hmm. process, and mm -hmm. so we're going to do that for the next hunt. Yeah, it was hunting without a silence, shooting without a silencer is such bullshit. I don't know why anybody likes guns without a silencer. It's stupid. I don't like guns without silencers. Yeah, probably the first time I've shot something didn't have a silencer on it in ten years. It was horrible horrible the first time i forgot my ear protection because you think that's stupid but like when, when you get in the excitement and the adrenaline flowing uh, uh, of hunting and you identify an animal and you have to make a stalk i mean you never know some of the shooting positions that i that i shot were ridiculous i took shots that i probably shouldn't have had i trained more i would have been okay with it but just i mean just some of the positions you shoot from so if you go and sit on your bench and that's all you do to train up to go on a really serious hunt or to go to africa it's stupid just training prone is dumb like most of my shots were not prone or from some bench or even supported in the rear it's shooting sticks or i'm on the side of the mountain in some rock formation and you got to shoot through some bushes and you know you're sitting down 
you, you, I mean, I got scoped hard one time because I wasn't in a position to really be able to support the rifle well, so maybe you shouldn't take that shot. I was successful with it, so I'm glad I did it, but got my eye busted and everything. But I'm sitting, leaned back, my feet are in front of me, my rifle was propped up on one of my shoes or my boots on a rock. I mean, it was ridiculous, and it was a 300-meter shot. And you don't even... you. You didn't have a bipod on either of your guns at any point either, did you? Yeah, I used a bipod oh, okay. on this one a few times. Yeah. Um, but, man, it goes to show you, with the Atlas, bi- our bipod, if it does not get completed by the time I go back, I'm going to flip a fucking table. <laughs> because the Atlas bipod, it weighs a pound, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but this gun is so lightweight and so easy to carry. So the first couple of days I had this gun slung, was carrying it, never noticed it. Put the bipod on, I hated it. The bipod sticks out a lot. It's like hitting me on the leg or snagging on stuff because it, it, it sticks out from the gun. The extra weight on the muzzle sucked. And the Atlas is pretty rattly. Rattly. Yeah. Uh, it's so rattly. Yeah. Yeah. In reality, I like the Harris better. It's just so ugly on the gun. I just can't bring myself to do it. That's the part of me that's vain, yeah. I guess. That's what I got on mine. Yeah, I got a Harris. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, it's better. I don't hump mine around, though. You're You're... Well, the Harris and the Atlas, they're about the same weight, actually. People yeah. don't realize it, but really? they are. Yeah, the, the Harris looks heavy. Yeah. But yeah, the Harris is lighter than it looks. The Atlas is heavier than it looks, I think. Yeah, and the Harris, you don't need to put a mount or right. a pick rail on the fix. You just put a little 1032 sling stud. Yeah. Well, just, with the Atlas, we have the direct mount. So yeah, but you still have to use that mount. Yeah. There's another plate to add on. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But I, mean, I guess the Harris has a mount on it. It just goes to a sling swivel. Did you... Grab on to any of the, like, I know you said one of the guys had a 300 wind mag or anything. Like, could you, did you show them all the difference? Like, oh, that gun only weighs there, six, seven pounds with everything on it? No one there, including the PHs, that aren't buying one of these guns now. Yeah. I, I mean, the the Griffin Howl guns are basically a Mauser-based action. I think they originally started modifying 03 Springfields. You know, they did Hemingway's guns, Cary Grant, like all these old, like, hunters that were celebrities and stuff, too. It was the rich guy gun. Um... And, and they're nice, but, I mean, this gun, the folding stock alone for this and the weight, there's nothing else that competes with it. Yeah, um, being able to have it in your lap in the seat of a car. Yeah. That's, and yeah. Sling, that's pretty awesome. And slinging it, like you said, like an AR where you're walking around, something jumps up, you're there. And it happened. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and too, and having the sling on it, because there's a couple times, um, you know, I, I made some less than optimum shots. I should I should have trained more, and that's something that I'm going to take – you know, that I, I bring back as an experience and I'm going to take with me on the next hunt. I mean, I will be better prepared. And, and I still did well. You know, I never lost an animal or anything. We recovered everything. But I could have made a couple better shots. And a couple of times I just didn't have good shots, but it, it was an animal where, you know, we'd been hunting a week and we hadn't seen one. And I felt okay with the shot. And, and I, I generally, generally am overconfident anyway, but it's fine. You know, I shot through some bushes and stuff. And that's another consideration. Like in that kind of hunting, you know, the 308 was nice because I was shooting uh, with Hornady. Shout out to them. They hooked me up with ammo. But with their GMX ammo and 308, and that's their solid copper. And I'm way more confident with that shooting into some brush or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a couple times I knew I was going to have to make follow-up shots because it's a big animal. It's not the best opportunity, but it's what the fuck I had. And I, and I sent it. And this gun is so fast cycling and guys watching me do that because a couple times everybody was with me. Like the first I shot three kudu and the first one, all six guys were with me when I shot it and it was through some bushes and there was a, it was a certain bull I was after 
and it was uh, uh, there were two trees, and then there was the one tree. There was a fork in it, and through that is where oh, I yeah. had to shoot. And it was about three hundred meters, and I could see from right behind his shoulder to about right here on his neck through a bush. And so we watched him and watched him and watched him. And at first, I wouldn't shoot because I I thought that's the part of the animal it was, but I wasn't positive, and I waited till he turned his head and I saw and I confirmed it. And I took a shot, and I took a follow-up shot instantly. Like, I knew I was going to have to hit him both times. And um, then we – he dropped, but he got up, and I didn't have a shot. And we we actually drove up and got out again, and it was about a 100-yard shot through bushes again. I shot him again. He dropped again and got up, and I sprinted. So at this point, you know, like, you don't want it to start going down the mountain in the bushes. It's like an all-day thing. And I sprinted. So I was able, I had the gun slung when I shot that time. It was offhand. And I was able to tighten the sling and I ran. And when I got up to where he was, I had a clear shot and shot him again and dropped him. And, you know, it's things like that with the traditional gun. Like you just, I don't think you could have done or not done as easily. Yeah. That's Um, something that people don't, I mean, they see it in videos, especially if they haven't touched it. They see it's a 45 degree throw or whatever, and it's on rail, so it's it's smooth. It's but like, fast. It is fast, and it does break in a little bit too. Like it's already smooth, but after time, you feel it. It's just it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this gun, I've got thousands of rounds through. I'm comfortable with it, and um, I mean the the gun just wins everyone over. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone because you know the PHs as well. A lot of guys in South Africa, just like New Zealand, are really into guns. Like a lot of, most men hunt there. They're into guns, but it's a lot of traditional stuff they have. They had never seen anything like this. And, you know, we're blown away and seeing like when stuff like that happens, that shows them an advantage that you can get from, um, you, you know, the tools that you're using. And yeah, I loved it. But hunting without a silencer, but thank God we make that whistle tip, mm. send the sound forward, because I probably took, shot three or four animals and didn't have ear protection on. Yeah. You know, either I just forgot them in the truck or I forgot to lower them and put them on. That's why I like having it on the muzzle of the gun. Mm-hmm. So going back in November and doing all the exporting stuff to send them over there for me now, so I'll have them. Other than the bipod, what would you change on the gun after using it in those conditions? positions whatever you want to call it is there anything you do different no you know i shot off the really right stuff tripod a couple times so Mm -hmm. having this rail mount here is very nice um being able to put the bipod on and remove it easily was cool Mm -hmm. um do you think you would keep the red dot if you like if you got spun up on it beforehand do you think you would keep it or do you think you'd just go with a lower a little bit lower power if i were only taking this gun i would keep the red dot because i don't like only for that type of hunting when you don't know, you know, I mean, some guys go over there and they only want to shoot at distance right. or they only want to shoot in the open or they're not willing to take shots that I do. And this scope is probably fine, but I, ha- if I had one gun and I'm going over there, I would not have a minimum power of 3.6. With that being said, Mike Murphy, his minimum power was five. He had a Swarovski five to 25. But, you know, I don't think he took a shot less than 300 meters. Right. And, you know, he just took shots that were out in the open and, you know, broadside animals. And, I mean, he's real responsible. And, and I mean, I think that's fine for him. But if I have something that doesn't go down to a minimum of two power, I would have this dot. If I had one gun and I would train up and I would be confident taking shots at, you know, 50, 75 meters with that. Yeah. But you also said, too, like, you liked the 
having the two guns like that's a is that like a staple for you now knowing what you know when you go back like do you think you'll do multiple guns i think so i mean for me it's a little different because the company like next time i go back i'm gonna take two guns but one of them is gonna be the 8.6 in november and i'm gonna shoot some big animals like i'm gonna shoot a cape buffalo i want to shoot a roan a sable like some of the bigger animals and i want to do it with 8.6 yeah. so you know i'll do that and then i want something where i'm comfortable so I'll train up with this, and I'll either use 16 or maybe 18 or 20 inches, and I want to shoot some stuff at seven, 800 meters. Um, so I always see taking two guns for me, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not everybody has that luxury. Right. Would um, you take a minifix there? Would yeah. Fit? Yeah, I would, actually. Uh, definitely, like, 6.5 Grendel or, I mean, even 300 Blackout. I mean, if I'm shooting Impala... Um, Bushbuck, uh, you know, several of the animals that I shot inside of a couple hundred meters that are closer to like mule deer, whitetail size, I would definitely take a mini fix. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe that's something we need to take in November. We yeah. should and try it out. Um, you know, warthog. I mean, warthog's actually really tough, but you know, you can get shots on those that are yeah. 100 meters. Um, you know, and I think that Barnes 110 is a great bullet. And I mean, and with the Barnes, uh, Two, two, three rounds, I've killed some pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would do it. And just like you said with the fix, too, that mini fix cycles so fast. So fast. <sighs> Such a short action. So it's fast. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that we have a prototype mega fix and 300 win mag when we go back in November. And, and si- I'm at 16 inch for that, too. And I'm going to shoot something like 800 meters with it. I mean, 300 win mag is that's a great killing cartridge. I like it. And, you know, be able to put what? six five prc in that which is also a great cartridge and you know some more opportunity but also something i can keep in my lap and it's compact and lightweight yeah it is going to wake you up when you let oh, that yeah. one go <laughs> seven I pound gun or silencer something silencer on about yeah. the recoil yeah yeah and i took i actually used the big butt on my 308 because i you know i have the extended bolt handle on this when i put the big butt on the 308 um, I wanted to try some of the different stuff that we did. I don't know that it mattered for hunting, but it didn't bother me. Right. But I didn't, you know, I didn't notice either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with the 300 wind mag, I'll probably going to want that. But the smaller cartridges for hunting, shooting a couple shots, like mm-hmm. I, I don't ever notice it. And like I said, a lot of times, like I got popped with the scope once because, um, you know, the rifle wasn't properly supported. And, I mean, there's some people that have a problem with that. But I felt confident with the shot that I made, and I took one shot. And, um, you know, that was basically I shot up into a mountain, and I was on a road. And it was – we weren't hunting them, but it's one of the pretty technical animals, a folly deer. And uh, it has, like, wool on it, so it's kind of related to goat. It looks really weird, like Chris Tucker pop-out eyeballs, old skinny necks, this weird little antelope deer-looking thing that's, I think, closely related to a goat. But <laughs> – um, we just happened to stumble upon one and it was like going up a mountain. And so I had to shoot from the road with like on the side of a mountain. I hung my whole body off and cause you know, I had a bag under the bipod, all this stuff to try to get a shot and I felt fine with the shot, but I was not properly supported and got popped in the eye. Um, that's part of the experience. Yeah. It's a great time. It's a great time, but man, I encourage everyone to go and this was not an expensive trip this trip for the basic package that was i think i don't remember how many animals but if you know maybe 
five or seven animals was five or six thousand dollars like plus your airfare like this is you can go to africa cheaper than you can have a great experience for a week and a half and kill a bunch of animals um and see one of the most beautiful places in the world for cheaper than you can go on an elk hunt or caribou hunt here in the states that's insane yeah so i never would have guessed i figured it would have been like five grand and then seven eight ten grand each animal or whatever well i mean i think if you go to some of the fancier places that i talked about earlier it it can be that way for instance um if you shoot an eastern cape kudu at uh crusader it's 15 16 1700 bucks um and some of the uh fancier places that are a high fence it might cost you five or six grand um but you're guaranteed if you go to those places um but these places are free range but i will say that every single person on a trip shot a kudu yeah i mean there is not a lack of animals i mean you will go out and you're going to see 500 animals every time you spend five hours riding around crazy yeah or or, you know you're right up top of a mountain and glass for an hour looking at another mountainside and trying to identify animals you want to shoot and see if you can make a stalk on them it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can go there, and the hunt can be very easy, or you can make it as hard as you want. Like, we had some days, wasn't that difficult, and we had some where Jason and I both almost thought, like, we were going to die, like, hiking <laughs> up a mountain. It was terrible. Um, but, you know, it's great. Like, you love it afterwards, and it's so rewarding when you do that, and you're successful, and, um, you know, and Jason and RPH Rad, Radcliffe Roberts, <laughs> Robertson, nice. Radcliffe Robertson, yeah, um, uh, almost stepped on a puff adder, which is like, I don't know, probably like a diamondback rattlesnake would be the equivalent here. And it's got like bright yellow on it. Hopefully we'll show a picture. Um, and Jason killed one last time. He's got, a, I think, a sling and a belt or something from it last time cool. when he wow. killed. Um, you know, fortunately didn't see a mamba this time and uh, did not see a uh, python. So I was pretty stoked on all that. I'm not super into these uh, big snakes and yeah. shit. Other than snakes, are there any other dangerous game on the property? Well, I mean, if you encounter like a buffalo, it'll kill you. But um, I mean, like no, classic, classic dangerous. You know, game. I, mean, I think growing up being like an ignorant American, think mm. about Africa, you're like ah. Um, but you know, like this, they have like big spiders that are creepy as hell. But they don't have. Um, they, I think we have more dangerous spiders than they have. Mm. And, um, you know, the puff adder, I don't think is exceptionally aggressive or anything. And that's probably what most people get bit by, but that might be closer related to like, a like a copperhead or something we have here where it might kill you if you're a little kid, but an adult's not going to probably kill you, but you're going to get real sick. But yeah. you know, then they have like mambas, which you get bit by yeah. that. You're probably proper fucked. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I don't think otherwise where we were. I mean, they have like leopards, but in, in, in South Africa, there's not a ton of them. Hmm. Um, so your chances of like, I think on that property, only one guy's ever seen one. Hmm. Like they have it, but like right. you couldn't hunt them there probably. And um, yeah. one, one of the PHs has seen one once. Hmm. So uh, I don't know what else they would have. Like there aren't hyenas or wild dogs like exactly where we were. Did you ever see that picture on mm. oh, Jackal? Yeah, yeah it's not like a little. It's not like cross between a fox and coyote. I kicked yeah. the shit out of that. Thing. Oh sure. Like, Did you ever see that? I think it was on Nature's Metal or whatever. But the it was <sighs> a resort. It was like a. It looked like an information center, and there was a kudu and a dead kudu, and these lions had torn it all, and there was blood everywhere. <laughs> it was the craziest scene ever. 
That is the best Instagram page yeah, in nature wild. is metal. Yeah. Um, no, there aren't lying. Lions have been like extinct in this area for hundreds of years. Yeah. Or the Andrew, Pr- I think this is the story, Andrew Pringle, who the property we're staying on. So his great, great grandfather, who I think owned when it was millions of acres, uh, is known to have killed the last lion that was, you know, native to that area. Is that the chip guy? Pringles chips? Yeah. I I don't know that they are, Hmm. but I don't know that they're not. Be worth looking up. I don't know if I want that title. I killed the last lion. Well, I I think for them it wasn't like such a sensitive (laughs) thing. I mean, I think, you know, hundreds of, a couple hundred years ago and they were. um, It's probably celebrated. I'd own it. I'd be the like self-proclaimed Lion King. (laughs) Yeah, the Lion King. I bet. (laughs) And I could be making this up, but I don't think. I think it's the story they told. But, you know, like back then to survive and to feed like all the local villages and natives, uh, like they were, um, it it was a giant sheep farm. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's. So it's just a predator, mm-hmm. and they didn't want him there because I don't know what a full-grown lion would eat per week, but it's probably a whole couple, bunch of couple lambs sheep. and sheep. Just yeah. a couple. Yeah. yeah, a couple sheep. <laughs> so It seems like the only people who get upset about all the, the animals that get killed in Africa are people that live here and have never, like... People that grew up watching the Lion King. Right, exactly. We, we were actually attacked. Like, the night before we left, we went and stayed in the city. Like, I only went in one store the whole time. I was there, a convenience store. I loved it. We were isolated. Like, there, this place is out in the country. But we went to Port Elizabeth uh, on the Eastern Cape to fly out. And so the night before we flew, we went there and we stayed in a hotel. We went to a restaurant and uh, a, a woman identified us as American hunters and uh, she kind of attacked us. Yikes. And it, it was so ridiculous. I mean, everybody else that we met, so grateful we were there. You know, and you think like the Pringle family, they have a, a, like, a, I'll say a hundred um, native people that work for them there. And, you know, they would be homeless if it weren't for, for right. their ranch. And, um, you know, they were so excited we were there hunting because, you know, they've been starving for a year. I mean, they do okay, but no, the country was shut down for a year. And so, you know, that means they continue to have employment. And, you know, and that's what really the conservation is because they're all encouraged to maintain the game there. And so, you know, not poach and exterminate every animal. Um, to cull the proper animals, to allow hunting. You know, th- there's a big problem in a lot of parks like Kruger and stuff in, in, in Africa right now because there was no hunting for over a year. And elephants, for instance, which everybody loves elephants, you have to kill elephants. Mm-hmm. They are so destructive. They're prolific, you know, at procreating, and they're just so destructive. Like they knock down huts. Mm-hmm. So in villages, they just destroy that stuff. They can knock down trees, all the habitats for other animals. Right. You know, just all of that habitat. They, they're they so destructive. And they went for over a year unchecked. Yeah. And so, the you know, that's, a, that's you know, at 5% a year, 5% more. It's it, the same with giraffes, too. Like you have to kill yeah. the old ones because they kill the young. Giraffe, right. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, why would you shoot a giraffe? You yeah. I'm saving other giraffes. And, and zebra, yeah. like they'll just about let you shoot a zebra for free because they're also like they dig everything up. Well, they're very successful in breeding and they overgraze, so they eat everything. Which you know they eat a lot of the same stuff that a lot of the other animals eat that that don't overgraze, like kudu and you know other things that are very popular. Um, so that you know there's several of the animals where the population needs to be monitored, you, you know, 
more closely than others, you know, and, and people hate it because everybody loves giraffes and elephants, right. but it's like, you got to kill giraffes. You got to kill elephants and you got to kill zebras. If you mm-hmm. want to have giraffes and elephants and zebras, you got to kill them. Or that's all you're going to have. Yeah. Right. You know, so there, there is a real balance to that, but yeah, we we're eating the night before we left and this woman was drunk and this other party, South African woman, and she leaves, you know, and she's living in this city and the way she looked and everything. And it's in, in kind of a, wealthy area we were in and uh she brought her judgmental ass over there and she's like oh you guys are americans yeah a hunting huh yeah well you know you're the kind of people we don't want here hunting leopard and cheetah it's like (laughs) you don't even have cheetahs here you dumbass (laughs) but it's like yeah we're not we're not doing that and it's like you know okay so uh, you don't want hunting, and that's how like half this country survives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, glad you're on the hunting committee. Please take your drunk ass home. Like, we'll just go on and support ass. our own economy then. It, right. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like uh, okay, you all starved to death over yeah. here. Um, but that was the only like negative shit we encountered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people that it, are they're just ignorant to it. Like these animals get shot, like in Kruger, you, you know, in the in the national park over there tons of animals get shot every year and it's like you can either pay your taxes to have like a park ranger shoot them or you can open up for hunting and the the people and nation can profit from it yeah people get fed (laughs) the habitat gets managed the populations get look that bald eagle with a uh it it just flew did you out the window. No, no shit. Oh, I you thought you were telling. I thought you were telling the story. Yeah, I thought it was, I'm like, they have bald eagles. <laughs> no, over there? it had a it had a fucking rat or a squirrel or something. There was a <laughs> there was a rabbit in your front yard earlier. Well, it probably has. No, <laughs> it, it had a tail on it. Did you see it? I just saw the shadow. Yeah, it 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 was in the front yard right here. Just flew and flew over. <laughs> I, I thought, thought was, you were. I thought oh, it was part I of the story. Flying away. Oh yeah. Yeah, it still got the thing. Well, I, don't I know. can't tell. It's far away. I thought you were it was the, right here in the I thought yard. you were telling a story, and then yeah, I looked, and I'm like, oh, I got, he got me. Yeah. And no. I'm like, oh, he is really telling a no, story. No, it had. Oh, I hope it was a rat. I don't know. We don't really have rats, but I didn't. I, oh, yeah, man. probably was a squirrel or something. I, I was yeah, shocked. Like All the things I saw the last couple weeks. <laughs> that was the fucking most shocked by a bald eagle in my yard with an animal. You don't see a lot of bald eagles here. It was a good-sized animal, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. It was probably the rabbit that was hopping around your yard. Oh, don't tell Ivana that. It looked like it had a tail, though. I saw it like a long oh. tail. Yeah. It was a cat. cat, yeah. Oh, I would love if it's a cat. <laughs> oh, sorry, cat people. Well, fuck you guys. I don't like cats. Yeah. Um, no. You like the cats, Thomas? I don't like cats. Okay, me neither. I don't, I don't really like any oh, a bald eagle just got something fat to eat. Hmm. Um, That's cool. God, right in the front yard. I thought you were telling the story. Because you're welcome. Because you're welcoming committee. I, know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how this plays into the story, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, there's bald eagles over there. <laughs> That's crazy. No, but they do have some eagles. We saw them. Yeah. Um, well, let me put my glasses on. Look at some stuff here, but I mean, I think that's some of the the stuff. You know, one, one bitch of the trip was so in June they open up direct flights. So by the time this is published, there's direct flight South Africa again. Well, there hasn't been. So I had to fly from like Boston to Atlanta to Amsterdam to Johannesburg to Durban. Nice quick trip. That sounds terrible. I mean. <laughs> Some guys suffered way more than I did flying over. But uh, on the way back, we flew from Port Elizabeth to Johannesburg to Paris to Atlanta to Boston. It's 40 hours. It's a long couple days. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, on one of those legs, I was able to get business class and uh, got one of the little pods where I laid down. I slept eight hours. I felt great. That's awesome. Um, So that's a bitch. And, you know, 
they're not making it easier to travel with guns, like no lie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not that it's super difficult. And when you go over there, like with your outfitter, they'll get an agent for you to meet you at the airport and deal with all the stuff. But when we got to South Africa, it took three hours to, wow. de- to deal with the gun stuff. And it's just because, and it just opened up and we met a hundred Americans that were there to hunt all over the country at the airport. And, you know, every time it's like the first day on the job, the first hunter they've ever had with a gun. It, it, it's like every American that comes to this airport has a gun. Like, how is this a difficult thing now? But man, I mean, America with TSA, we suck, but, um, Africa is far less efficient than even our TSA in that pains me to say but it's true that's bad yeah it's bad nobody knows shit and it it was horrible um and then but saying that when we got back to america in atlanta two and a half hours to go through it you know and we so when we got to atlanta we had to go through uh customs immigration and then you go through if you're connecting then you go through tsa and they have to walk you there and they do the exact same thing because the you know of course you know our government being so stupid these two groups don't communicate so they duplicate what this group just yeah. did. And so that was two and a half hours. I, I had a six-hour layover and had about an hour and 15 minutes to get something to eat and hang out before I got on the plane. Hmm. I mean, it, it was just stupid. Um, so traveling with a gun sucks. So I'm going to export some guns and just have them over there for when I go hunt, I think, where I don't have to travel with guns in the future because I'm going to go back. Yeah, let the PHs run around with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and get the exposure for the gun, and I can use it when I get over there. Um, send some silencers, too. Definitely now that we can yeah. send silencers for foreign sale. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so crazy. So if I send rifles over there, if I sell or give our PH and, uh, you know, Rad and Andrew, who owns a place, each one of our guns, or the company does, then we export them, we get them over there, it takes them 10 months to go through the process to get a bolt action rifle. The silencers though, they pick up that day as an accessory. Yeah, an accessory. It's exactly so backwards. backwards of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which makes way more sense, I guess, but I yeah. guess so. I mean the silencer part, they just think it's so ridiculous that it takes us like, you know, 10 months to get a silencer. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, but worth it. We're going to do all that. So when we all go over, we don't have to hunt without a silencer because that's some bullshit. Yeah. But I left my Pelotors over there too, just in case. <laughs> Did you say we all on the podcast? Well, probably not you. Yeah, that's um, that's what I figured. Because you I'm know, not allowed over there, I don't think. Crash the drone. Well, there's <laughs> planes involved. and Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm well, bad luck. If you can fly, <laughs> you can go. All right. Uh, I don't know if Jay's <laughs> flying. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably getting boring for you non-hunting African want to going. Yeah, African people. haters. Hippies. So covered those. Well, oh. while you're scratching stuff mm-hmm. off, we mm-hmm. have um, a giveaway in the works with some people. Yeah, we're want to per- talk about that. Yeah, we're participating in a giveaway with uh, with Warm and Fuzzy and Ford Observations Groups, or single group. Um, Shooting Surplus is also part of it. Doghead Collective, Auto Seer. Um, so they're all going to be a part of this, basically. EOTech. Yep, EOTech is part of it as well. They're yep. donating optics. So the it's a raffle. It's fifty dollar. I believe it's a $50 raffle ticket, unlimited tickets. Um, all of the money is going to go to FPC, the winner of the raffle. Firearms Policy Coalition. Yep. 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 So for these right gun now. rights, huh? Exactly. Yeah, so all the money is going to go to them. Um, the winner of the raffle, uh, them plus one, are going to get flown down to Texas. Um, they're going to go on a hunt with 
all the all the people mentioned, Warm and Fuzzy, Ford Observations Group, all these guys, they're going to get a fix from us um, that Warm and Fuzzy came up and built. It's a 6.5 fix with an EOTech Voodoo scope on it, a can. Shooting Surplus is donating a honey badger, so they're going to get a honey badger Jeez. with optics and a can. Um, they're going to get a free hunt, free mount, all the meat, everything, and just hang out with, with everyone. So, so where do people go? It's going to be on... Warm and Fuzzy's website, um, I believe Forward Observations website as well. Nice. So it should be going on as this podcast airs. It should still be going on, so you can you so can get hold of it. So it's fifty dollars. Fifty dollars a ticket and unlimited tickets. I'm buying some. Yeah. So when they go to Texas for this hunt, uh, all those companies that you mentioned, there'll be representatives from each company there. Yep. Also. Yeah. Hanging right. out. Hunt. What is this going to be like? An aerial pig hunt. What's this going to be? Um, as it stands right now, we're just waiting here to. I say we. Warm and Fuzzy is waiting to hear back from which specific ranch it's going to be. But I think it's going to be an exotics ranch. So they can basically, the ranch is oh. going to donate an animal and this person can can decide which one they want to want to get. So, oh. yeah, it'll be cool. And I, cool. I think some guys from from Q are going to be there. I don't know. Is someone from EOTech going to go down? Do um, you know? I threw it out there. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And then, so there'll be some, all the companies, like you said, involved. There'll be some some guys there. That is pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good prizes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think... Sounds like $20,000 is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of FPC and giveaways and all that stuff, I think in June, FPC is also doing a mini fix giveaway like they did for the Honey Badger. Nice. So raising Yeah, what do we raise with that? For the Honey Badger, it was over, I think it was like 130 something thousand Yeah, it was, oh. it was a ton yeah. of money. Oh, man. I never got the final number, but during the podcast, Pierce shouted it out. It was like over 100. What do we do to support 2A? Mm. Here you yeah. go. Just, Just raising millions of dollars. Giving shit away like Oprah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, FPC is doing a mini fix this time. So, same deal. Go to FPC's website. You can donate money uh, up to, I think there's increments, $5 up to $100. You can also just enter. Uh, no purchase necessary. It's a yeah. giveaway, not a raffle. So, a lot of good fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. Community giveaway, whatever you want to call it. That is great. Yeah. It's great to see stuff like this happening. Yeah. It's cool to see it because we've talked about it a little bit before on previous episodes about just kind of the the overall attitude of the industry and kind of ha- just how it's changed over the years. Well, it's and a new niche of the industry. I, I mean, the idea of these guys doing stuff to just help actual 2A and, mm-hmm. you know, fight the good fight, not just for... Um, you know, putting their name on a NASCAR or something. Um, that's cool. It's good to see that attitude, people being charitable. Yeah. yeah. People definitely are starting to, I think, value the idea of community within the industry a lot more. Um, and you're seeing it from, from newer companies, it's which interesting is interesting really cool. at my age that it's a new, a younger generation doing it. Yeah. Cause well, most of the millennials like a, what a bunch of tool bags. I know. But this We're is the worst. This is incredible. Well, these guys, warm and fuzzy, uh, fog, uh, you know, Bruce from shooting surplus, a lot of the community think stuff kind of comes from uh, the veteran groups yeah. in the industry. Yeah, they're absolutely. pretty big on the the community aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's, cool. It's very yeah. cool. That's to see. cool, and it's I cool like because it. even companies like like Warm and Fuzzy, they're not a gun company. They've done a collaboration with a with Noveski before, but mm-hmm. they're, I mean, the guy that owns it, he'll be the first to tell you. He's like, I'm. I don't know much about the industry. I'm real new at this, but he wants to be involved and he wants to to do it the right way so it's it's cool to see people yeah have a fresh 
outlook that's not yeah skewed by mm-hmm. the industry bullshit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, same thing with FPC. Like instead of the NRA, mm-hmm. like people not wanting to be politicians, people wanting to protect our constitutional rights. Like bless those guys. Holy and, shit. And they take action too. It's not yeah. just talk. Yeah. Yeah. Willing to stand up and punch somebody in the dick. I like it. Like yeah. I mean, we got yeah, they're aggressive. aggressive. Jay, what do you think of that? So we asked for uh, podcast room stuff to yep. um, decorate with, and, and we've received some yeah. things. The, this this mask, this yeah. creepy-ass mask. That is Rangda or Rangda. It is a demon goddess from Bali, and she... It, oh, that's a chick? Yeah, she, Ooh, she even scarier. eats children. Uh, it, yeah, real, so that's cursed for sure, and it now lives in your home. That's why we just heard all that noise and all your cabinets were open. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's really cool that, that I I will have to find the, the gentleman's name that sent it. We have the letter. I don't have it here. Yeah, it wasn't um, something like his grandfather got it or yeah, something? Yeah, his so grandfather's like a traveling salesman or something. Let's find out before this goes live and like put his name. Yeah. I don't know. He might not want his name attached to it. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah, it's, it, from, it's from Bali. It's that. pretty cool. Yeah, it is It is cool. I don't want to touch it, but it's cool. That's real hair. It's some someone's yeah, hair. Yeah, real human hair. It's That's pretty gross. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, all the art and stuff, podcast at livecuredie.com if you want to send us I did us feel art. like there was somebody behind me this whole time. There certainly now is. I don't know why. Yeah. God. I forgot it was there. You sound like my buddy Chad thinking there's some, he's got some redheaded female ghost in the shop, in my apartment, he believes. Oh. At his place. You know, Bon and I have a, a place. Oh, yeah. They're in an outbuilding, an apartment there, and uh, it's haunted. According to him, I'm pretty sure the shop's haunted as well. But you guys are idiots. <laughs> um, so what else is up? What kind of camo you got there, man? It's like a variation of what we call splinter tarn. Um, so, it, it's, so it's not a real one. This is like jamaflage. This isn't a real camouflage. Sort of. It's the right pattern. The color, like this brown, is a little off. Or this brown, I'm sorry, is a little off. That's called jamaflage. Like when you see woodland, but it's like pink and right, black and yeah. white. Yeah. Yeah, I so didn't know cool. you'd get into glamourflage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's just it's like an off-brand, whatever. It's a little rain rain thing. So I like it. It's cool. It's not it's super it's popular. Not a whoopie. No, this is not a whoopie now. So, but the pattern's not super popular right now. It probably will be more now that oh, Garantham so just put out a video. I think he's got a rifle that's all splinter tarn or whatever. So you're trying to get ahead of the curve. Exactly. Jump ahead. It's so. Great Call of Duty. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. It's. Uh, I mean this. The history of it's not the most colorful and greatest, but whatever, it looks cool. Oh, not was most cool. camouflage. You're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the origins cool. of it aren't the greatest, but yeah. yeah, it's cool. What about, uh, what's new with you? You got a 416, huh? Not for long. Yeah, I'm probably going to sell it. By the time this comes out, I'll probably have sold it for $10,000. What, just for the money? Yeah. Well, what do yeah, you think about it? I think it's heavy. I think... I don't know, my, my time at SIG, I, I don't see a lot of differences between it and the 516. I wonder why. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm over it. It's cool for cool factor, for sure. It's super cool if you're a collector, if you're into cloning, and you're into, like, real like real use guns, you know, Bin Laden gun, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's worth something to somebody. 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. It is a Bin Laden gun. Yeah, it's not for me. It was an investment. Hmm. A good one at that. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it is cool though. It's, I did not realize it was as heavy as it was. 
but it, it makes heavy. sense. Yeah. Piston gun. They're heavy. Yeah. It's. He- it, I mean, the ten point four inch four sixteen will be heavier than our three oh eight gas gun. Yeah, I love the handguard. The single bolt, super easy to just yeah. Take it, it off. It's it's like the Geisley's same thing. That's right. Where they yeah. got it from. It's yeah. smart. It's very uh, well retained. It's yeah. Very rigid. Do you know yeah. what that nut is? You pro- you guys probably do because you have the internet now. Why why that nut's cut the way it is? Are you talking about the actual head of the nut? Uh-huh. I don't. I got just a regular Phillips head on it. Well, no, it's bigger. I figured it's much it was bigger. But I figured it was for a piece of kit, hmm. but I don't know why. Learn, I think maybe learn we'll me. find out. Yes, learn me. The bolt. Oh yeah. Ah. Hmm. Bolt lug. Interesting. You just use your. It kind of sucks <laughs> that you'd have to take your bolt out to take your handguard off. Most people do this. You do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking trailblazer, Adam. <laughs> what can I say? It is a cool gun, though. Yeah. And I mean, they're it's smooth. Like, the action feels nice. The trigger's nice. Everything Germans don't very do nice. a lot of shit, man. You know, the stock's nice and tight on there. It's not rattly. It's it's a well-built gun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. The stock is so ugly. Yeah, the, the, the normal yeah. stock. But yeah, yeah. It's comfy. I think it holds it hold some batteries or something in it. I yeah, it's got the big-ass so. sling loops on the side of it. That are Germans are big with that. Yeah. You know. And yeah. the button, the like lever to yeah, you're move not going to accidentally move it. Yeah, you know. I mean, all that was probably requirement driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like the butt pad on it. Yes, they. Yeah. But they like those clip-on slings. Mm. Yeah, they sure do. Does it have? I only messed with it that one day, but does it have more than whatever five positions on the stock or something? It just felt like there were a ton on there. Maybe not. I don't know. Five or six. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, felt yeah. like there were a lot. I, I could be. It's on my wrong. desk. I'm look at it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but a very slick gun. Yeah, yeah. It's so slick, so smooth. And we've encountered this with the Honey Badgers. They've gotten better and yeah, better over again, the years. Yeah. Um, the gun is so fast, and the original requirement for the group here in the U.S. that they put the requirement for that gun, it didn't include a silencer being used mm-hmm. with a silencer because that group, it was just before they started using silencers on everything. So when we went to build silencers for it, mm-hmm. Like any back pressure, that gun becomes unreliable. Yeah, because it's so smooth, it skips over rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, like the mag spring can't lift the rounds as fast as that bolt cycles. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was all painted up when I got it. I stripped it down and it came out, cleaned well. it up as best it I did could. Did really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice gun. It yeah. was used for sure, though. Oh, that handguard used, has yeah. seen some. Yeah, yeah, God, I, I got I, a Geisley rail coming forward. I'm gonna <laughs> put that on and then sell it. Sweet. Yeah, was, uh, I don't know. Is that's worth more than the? The original HK. I'll include the original rail. with it, but uh-huh. you know, just to maximize my sale potential. <laughs> <laughs> you should put a oh, you put one of our silencers on it. What optic was on the Bin Laden gun? Mm, I heard a guess. I mean, there's pictures of it. I just don't remember. EOTech oh, I don't know. I would I would assume it was an EOTech, probably with a G33 that was folded to the side or something. The magnifier. Hmm. That would be my guess. If you're a cloner, hit us up in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't recall. Yeah. Um, hmm. But that gun was camo. It was painted. No, oh, it was super yeah. painted. New Hampshire State Police. No, I'm it's saying like hardcore. The yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Someone. Uh, <laughs> EOTech three time. Yeah, I was right. Oh. Pow, pow, pow. EOTech with a G33. Pow, pow. Um, <laughs> actually, regarding painting um, pow, pow. <laughs> it's on our story right now this is people it was weeks ago if you're watching this um someone so no chance of them seeing it now <laughs> right well they'll probably see it they're gonna be like oh i remember that um let's read let's go back to the archives and repost it yeah on this day in the future yeah exactly but <laughs> someone asked uh breck from doghead collective mm. 
uh, painting a Q a Q gun, mm-hmm. um, like a disgrace or a flex, and he he it's as intended. Yeah, he uh, pushed it to us, and yeah. I said, "Go nuts! Yeah. Like, just well make well sure it's cool." It, that's why it was clear anodized, right in the beginning, because they're just gonna paint the shit anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just yeah, I think it's a tool. Look like at Kevin's gun. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna say don't do shit yeah i, I mean it's a tool do what you want yeah yeah i mean this is actually uh it's more of a communal gun like you know you guys gave me this and yeah. did this jose painted these for mm-hmm. me black point tactical gave me that which i actually really like that in the material i mean it's cool because it's leopard whatever but yeah, it's goofy, but mm. it gets a lot of attention. It's yeah. cool. It's it, yours. It is very much yours. It's mine. It kills stuff. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Mm. Yeah, do you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I had one. Rattle can, Cerakote. If I had to pay for it and had one, I'm not sure I'd do it. But, I mean, I think, yeah. I don't know. Um, I've painted guns. I always regret it. Oh, you do? After. Yeah, I don't Me do too. a good job. Oh, don't do a good job. I do an okay job. It, I it, just regret it. Mm. You know what? I, I think we're talking to Phil Ethos and what we want to do after mm. being there. And everyone loving the fix and then us spending time with guy the rhodesian soldier want to do one a 16 inch 308 in rhodesian camo so paint that and optic sling set it up for what we think is the perfect gun for Mm -hmm. hunting in rhodesia or you know south africa and in most places are you talking like the the brush stroke or how they painted their like fals back in the well, day see he kind of wanted to do that with that like goofy yellow and yeah. all. but i think like the brush stroke stuff yeah. like you do know. both like the accents could be the brush stroke like a sling i don't know no i don't know Look awesome. at your gun don't don't talk to me about <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> yeah. Contrast. yeah yeah <laughs> this, i don't know this thing goes together brilliantly yeah yeah, so that could be fun. We should start doing like special fix like every other month, I think. Like we should do something special. Have either of you ever seen a picture of someone's granted, I know most people are like, I spent so much money I don't want to paint it, but have you seen any cool painted Q guns from customers? Because I have not. On the uh Facebook Q owners group, every once in a while there's a painted gun and yeah. they look like painted guns. Yeah. Yeah. They look <laughs> different. I'm not used to seeing it, especially on the fix. Like right. an all O D green fix. Oh, looks this very strange. Wow, I never would have. Yeah, haven't seen that one. I'll yeah. have to look. Hmm. I, I've Ac- seen. We're all about the, the ac- accents and different right. colors, yeah. and shades of this. And then it's just so one. Having just one <laughs> consistent color is weird. I, I've seen two um, honey badgers that were painted. People have sent me pictures of, and one was all like a multicam Cerakote. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked cool, but mm-hmm. it's like uh, whatever. And then. Um, that Kiko's place or whatever, the, oh, those yeah. dreadlock yeah, hippies and no. Key, Key West. West. Yeah. They did one. It looked pretty good, but mm. like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. if it doesn't need to be painted, I wouldn't paint mm. it, but freedom firearms is doing it out in Vegas. They're yep. Cerakote and the receivers in the handguard, but they're maintaining that contrasted, uh, you know, oh, darker receivers, handguard, handguard. Right. Uh, colored receivers. So yeah. they're doing a really good job. Those look it. really good. Yeah. 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 When I was there in November, I saw a few of them being sold. I was picking up guns that I shipped out. Mm. And people, I mean, they sold through them for sure. I like this handguard being painted. Like it's so smooth and everything, but maybe we should just tumble more. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're adding weight. You're potentially screwing stuff up, like the tolerances of, you know, pins or for mm-hmm. holes, threads, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Whatever's yours, it's tool. Do what you want. Yeah. Yep. Don't care. 
Don't care. Don't care. Similar to the honey badger. Does not care. Does not. Not at all. That's so funny now that we did that smaller charging handle, and I look at that gun. It's got the original yeah, one the on it. One. Looks ridiculous. Um, well, what else is up? What's going to be new? What's coming out? Erector 9s are starting to ship, huh? Yeah, Erector 9s, at the time of this hitting YouTube, is sh- are shipping. Um, the Honey Badger-style AR stock should be shipping now, if not soon. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of people are waiting on that. We have, uh, at, at this time, I believe at this time, uh, we have... You trying to say something, Tom? Yeah. Nope. Um, new cherry bombs, a couple new cherry bombs. Oh, yeah. Tell us about those, because I saw one. I had no idea what it was for. So we have the a left-hand thread for MPXs. Mm-hmm. So 9 mil left-hand, because so many people want it for their MPX. Mm-hmm. So you get finally get one. We have a 45 cal cherry bomb. Why? Good question. LWRC. Um, oh, that's right. They're a little They're sub UM, UMP looking yeah. thing. We made a small batch. We'll see what happens. Yeah. and But because of the, the 45 cal size bore, um, we have lug or wrench flats on the front as well. So Exposed on the front. Right, yeah. They're all on the front on all of them. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, so have the doesn't have the... Oh, cl- it has it a grow, so you exactly. can't have the little ring around yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It looks very funny. It's weird. I don't know how I feel. I kind of like it, but I... Mm. I think I saw one on engineering's desk. I was wondering what the hell was going on. Yeah. They do have yeah. l- uh, wrench flats on the back, though, too, which is all cool. I like... Ones, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was... It, they're I, small wrench I flats. Don't like they're that. emergency wrench flats. Yeah, um, yeah. They're, they're just for the accessory ones. Then the standard one is going to remain uh, the same. People are going to yeah round the edges, not having the yeah. right wrench, and it's not going to shoulder yeah. properly. I don't like this. Yeah, maybe we'll see how it goes. But yeah, the forty-five. What do I know for LWRC? They're going to use it with our our Ghost N Plan B and yeah. whatever silencer they're going to use it for. So there's an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about other new products. Mm-hmm. Trigger. Well, the, the trigger, trigger, yeah, um, it's imminent. That's really the major new products that should be out by now or soon. Uh, the new website should be live right now. New website. Oh, it should? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Still live but it's kind of revamped, kind of a fresh take on a firearms company website. How do you feel about it? It's colorful. It is very it's colorful. Like, <laughs> it's like a shirt. It's <laughs> yeah. cool, though. I think it's, it's very think, clean. It's I think very it separates us. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely separates us, and it's it's it fits us, and know. it's way more intuitive than our current. Yeah, website. I, yeah, I do not. I can't find shit on our site. Yeah, yeah, the search feature is very broken, and also the the when people are actually placing orders, mm-hmm. like the FFL process is going to be easier now. I mean, yeah, I a lot of integrations it, with uh, you know ATF's uh, resources online as far as confirming FFL numbers. So when dealers place orders. We don't have to chase them down to verify if their FFLs are current or not. Right. Um, customers are going to be able to go through a list of all active FFLs so they can actually choose an FFL, and then it's going to send us the information. So we don't have to cancel orders now when we can't reach a customer because we have no idea who to ship it to. So a lot of that integration is going to be nice just from a customer service standpoint Yeah. and a customer experience. I'm all about that. Yeah. We should make that as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. I learned a new term in South Africa. Uh oh. <laughs> he said our PH was talking about when he caught a poacher a few years ago and, you know, like the guy was poaching, he was like, Whoa, stop, you know, it's gonna like call the police and everything and the guy like attacked him and they got in a scuffle. And our PH, like pretty big guy. 
don't know, he's probably like 6'4", 250, like larger than most people. A grown man. Yeah. And uh, so he gets in a, tu- a tussle, and he's like, you know, I don't want to hit the guy or anything, so we're like wrestling. <laughs> and he's like... You know, so we're wrestling. He's like, I was literally probably twice the dude's size. So he's like, you know, my girlfriend's there. When we were, they were just driving around checking some shit. He catches a poacher and's like, gets out of the truck, yells at him to stop, and goes over to him and's like, hey, what's in the bag? And the, you know, the guy like had all like whatever gun stuff. And he's like, all right, you know. And the guy like attacks him. They get in a tussle, and he, you know, ends up. He's like, calm the fuck down, like. We don't have to do this. Ends up pinning the guy down. He's like, it was summer somewhere in shorts, you know, and I'm free-flowing, which means commando here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, <laughs> the guy jumps up, reaches up, and grabs his balls. <laughs> but he's like, you know, he had the crane grip. <laughs> the crane <laughs> grip. The thing. It's like, you know, he didn't have like that. But he's like, the crane grip. He's like, but I panicked, and the hydraulics let out, you know. So it's like he ends up squatting down on the guy. And, uh, and I'm like, what'd you do? And I'm like, that sounds awful. And he's like, well, I read him his fortune. And I was like, that's not an American saying. What does that mean? He's like, well, he read my palm and woke up next week. <laughs> <laughs> Had you heard that before? No. I'll no, tell no. you your fortune. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm going to slap the yeah. shit out of you and you'll wake up next week. <laughs> but he's like, crane grip on his balls. I was like, that's the scariest thing ever. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. That's a good one. The fortune uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you your fortune. My dad used to tell me you'd. Hit me hard enough that when I woke up, my clothes would be out of style, which <laughs> clearly has happened. So <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah same thing yeah. basically. Thanks, Dad. Mm.